You are listening to the Whatsoever 168 podcast with Jen Renault. Welcome back to the Whatsoever 168 podcast. Coming off episode four, I have another young, hardworking disciple of Christ for you here on episode five, but this time a young man. While in school and working quite a bit, this young man is a busy bee when it comes to his Whatsoever project. And after listening to all that he does, I think you'll be tired too. Without spilling the beans, I'll let him tell you himself. So sit back and enjoy this great guy, Patrick Cauley. All right, and here we are with my good buddy, Patrick Cauley. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? I am excellent. I'm so glad that you're here. And I got to thinking, before we jump into your Whatsoever project, I was wanting the listeners to learn just a little bit about you so they have some background, because I think they're going to be really shocked when they hear about your Whatsoever project. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself, Patrick. Okay, well, as previously stated, my name is Patrick Cauley. I'm 21 years old. I'm a junior at Eastern Florida in Melbourne. I'm studying sales and marketing. My hope with that is to become a real estate agent. My mother is one right now, and we're gonna open up our own brokerage together when I graduate from college. Uh, She didn't have the opportunity to get the same college education that I'm getting because back when she went to college, there were no computers and social networking. So I can bring my experience from the classroom. She can bring her experience from her number of years in the field. Hopefully we'll have a future business to grow together. For fun, when I'm not working my two jobs or going to school, I like to play golf. It's a great way to be in the great outdoors. I love being outside in nature and God's country. I spend a lot of that time with my dad too. We started that as a hobby together and it's grown into a lot more than that. It's become a way to bond as father and son. Besides that, I do a lot of the typical teenage, 21 year old type things. I do play video games. I watch (laughs) Netflix. I go to the movies probably twice a week. I like to rate movies and tell people how good or bad they are. I take a lot of enjoyment in that. Wow, you are a busy guy and how awesome. So definitely a family guy. Yes, I am. My parents and I and my grandmother and my mom's side are the only people who live here in Brevard County. The rest of my family is located in the New England area. So I don't get to spend very much time with my extended family. Therefore, it's made my immediate family a lot closer to me. They've become my parents and my best friends all in one and I cherish every second I have with them. I plan on spending the rest of my life in this county, actually. My second family is my St. Mary's family. So in my St. Mary's family, I see a lot of the same love and respect and courage that I see in my own parents. It's a wonderful cycle, and it's great that we share that faith together. Oh my goodness, interview over. Was that not the best answer ever? Patrick, I love it. And and your mom, I know your mom and I know your dad, and they're very involved in the church. And that's kind of why we have you here today. I know that you are doing a lot of really good things in the community. I know that you are preparing yourself and your heart to go out and to make these dreams happen with your mom and, and, and make more memories with her and your dad. But I know too that you have your very own whatsoever project yourself. And, and just to remind the listeners, the podcast is premised on Matthew 25 in the gospel where it says, whatsoever you do to the least of my people, that you do unto me. And then obviously the 168 is the 168 hours in a week. What are we doing with those hours? And so Patrick, what are you doing with your 168 hours and your ministry or whatsoever project? As far as my ministry goes, I do serve the church in a number of ways. I am a lector. That is the first way that I became involved in the church. I started reading at the children's masses when I was a child at St. Mary's and 
before I graduated in 2012. So you went to St. Mary's Catholic School? I did. And okay. Class 2012. 2012. Uh, the, the first year that I read, I was in third grade in Mrs. Kearney's class. It was All Saints Day, and I was, of course, St. Patrick. I read of one of the prayers of the Prayers of the Faithful. I think there were six, and each student got to read one, so there are six of us. Uh, it all started from there. I started reading more often at the children's masses. Then when I felt courageous enough, at around the age of 16 or 17, I began to read in the adult masses. It's still tough at times to read. There's nothing, I don't feel judged in any way. Mm-hmm. But speaking in front of hundreds of people who I you know, just called family can be really difficult at times. But I know that God is watching me and I'm proclaiming the word to people who really need to hear it. My hope is that other people follow in lecturing as well. It's nice to see people go up there of all ages to speak on the Word of God, but I find that I have a particular care for people who are around my age or even younger. I encourage people to follow that. Another thing that I do is I am an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. I give out the body and the blood of Christ. That is something that you can start doing at the age of 18. So that's not quite for the youth yet, but people who are getting out of high school going into college can look into that. And that's another field where we need younger people. So I stepped up to that and decided to do it. It makes me feel really proud and honored to hand the body and blood of Christ that Jesus sacrificed and gave gave to us to other people. It's even neater when I get to hand them out to people I care about so much, even my own parents, to see the pride in their eyes and me to feel that they brought me here. They, they were the ones who started me in my faith, so I have them to thank for that. Aside from that, I do like to volunteer. I volunteer at the confirmation retreat for the um, eighth graders who are about to be confirmed. I've been doing that annually. And I try to pitch in my time elsewhere too, try to donate old clothes and food to Helping Hands in any small way that people can help St. Mary's and help grow their faith is, is going to go a long way. How funny you should just, you should say that because on episode three, we had Chico and Pat Master Paolo here and they, they were talking about the Helping Hands and how important it is to get those, those um, donations and food, clothing, housing uh, equipment, equipment's not really the right word, can openers, things like that, pots and pans. So I want to go back, though, because they, Chico and Pat did say that they do need younger people. So how funny that you should say that. And here they mentioned that just another about a week and a half or so ago. And I want to go back. I want to give Patrick just a little bit of a shout out here. Patrick was a lector. The first time you were a lector, I don't know if you know this, but I was at that Mass when you lectured, and it was shortly after your confirmation. And I remember it was the first time we had a young person get up there and proclaim the Word. And I remember being totally moved. And, and that was really, I had known who you were, and I knew you through your parents. But to see you take on a, a different role, and and more of an adult role at really a young age, because I think confirmation, you said that, that you were... Um, I think about 18, but actually you were confirmed probably around 14 or 15. And I remember it wasn't very much longer after. Yeah, so I might have been about 15 or so. It was 18 when I became an extraordinary minister. That was the difference there. Right, right. But still, what a foundation that your parents have laid for you. And then you talk about being an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion and and how beautiful to serve your parents and to to share the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and I've thought about that because I, I believe that God's calling me to that ministry as well. And you actually inspire me when I see you go up there. It's so neat to have our younger people doing that. But I, I do think about sharing that with my children and my husband. And so here you are with your parents, and you have such a special bond with your parents. So what a fantastic Whatsoever Project. So if I bring this all the way back to the Whatsoever Project, 
asking you about your ministry. You really kind of are a jack of all trades when it comes to serving. I do my best. You know what I've learned about you, Patrick, is that you go wherever you're called, right? So you, you were, this little seed was planted in you in third grade with Mrs. Kearney and planted that little seed of being a lector. And then you go on and you volunteer, you share clothes, food through helping hands, and then now uh, being an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. And, and then two, uh, serving on those confirmation retreats. Patrick, along with serving as a table leader, I know too that you've been um, a speaker at the retreats and you've shared your witness as well. And so on behalf of all of us adults, I, I thank you. So you don't, so just to emphasize, Patrick doesn't have a definitive whatsoever project. And that's why I really wanted him here today is that Patrick serves the people who are right in front of him. And when he hears, hey, there's something going on, there's help that's needed. Okay, well, how can I get involved with that? Right. And so thank you for that, Patrick. That's awesome. Thank you very much for, for all the, the praise. I just do what I can to give back to the community, to give back to my faith in my Lord. I owe him everything. I owe him my life to go out and spread the word in any way I can. Obviously, you were formed, right? And you said that you went to St. Mary's Catholic Church and, and also their school. When did you enter their school? I entered St. Mary's Catholic School when I was in the second grade. The beginning of my life, I started in the New England area. Then I moved down to Florida, but I didn't start going to Catholic church or Catholic school until second grade. From that point on, I started to form deeper roots that I would only realize later in my life. When I left St. Mary's in eighth grade and graduated, I felt elated that I could use my Catholic faith in the community like more of an adult, but at the same time, I really missed being a student there, which I think is what draws me back to the church and the school as often as I can. I love going back there and giving back because they gave me the best years of my life. What more could I do for them? Wow. So you started in second grade and then that school goes to eighth grade. So you graduated from St. Mary's and then you went off to a public school? I did. I went to Rockledge High School. I went there from ninth to twelfth grade. There is nothing wrong with a public school compared to a Catholic school. I don't want people to think public school is some sort of an area of high crime compared to a Catholic school. <laughs> Rockledge High also gave me great years in my life. But I didn't quite have the faith there. It's not a Catholic school, so they're not going to teach one faith over the other. In fact, they're not necessarily allowed to. But when I went there, I was able to make friends with people in other ways. Not every person there was Catholic, but I was able to use my Catholic faith to make good connections with other people, whether they were Catholic or not. And I hope that in my time at Rockledge High, I was able to leave impressions on people that would make them understand without me telling them that this person is a man of God and he made my life a little bit better. Whether that may have changed their lives for the better, I don't know. I wasn't there to necessarily evangelize or try to make myself look great. I was there to study well, get good grades, make a lot of friends, and hopefully make some positive impacts on people. You're just simply reflecting the light that's already in your heart. And, and really, it's not for us to see the fruits of that, right? It's always nice when, when we plant those seeds and then we water them and we tend them and we help direct the sunlight and then they germinate and we see these pretty flowers. But a lot of times those seeds are planted and, and we don't ever get to see. So we never know. We never know where that's going to lead. So I want to bring that back to your education. How were you formed at, at the age of 21? Here you are serving in several different ministries and in several different capacities. What formed you to make you want to do the things that you're doing now? Because you, let's face it, you could be at a video game tournament. You could be working on your car and souping it up and, and going to races. You could be out surfing or playing golf and on the golf course all day and you're not. And you go to church. We see you every Sunday. You serve. But something formed you. What was that? 
I would have to say the main influence in my life that formed my faith would be my parents. They were they became Catholic early in their lives. My dad actually became Catholic a little bit later. He took a little bit more time discerning becoming Catholic, and then when he did, he met my mother, and she actually wasn't Catholic at the time. She was Baptist, but then they became Catholic together and formed this wonderful marriage that still continues on to this day. To me, they've been the epitome of Christ's love for us through the sacrament of matrimony. And as their son, their only son, I thought that I would want to give back that love to them in whatever ways I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Of course, right now, I don't have the money or the finances to buy them a house or you know, pay their mortgage, buy them new cars. So I think, what can I do without materials that can give back for the 21 years they've blessed me with a wonderful life on this earth? And that was to follow their footsteps in the faith to, as their son, form a good example of a man of God who grew up in a house where God was always present. Mm. And you're not getting an allowance for this either by being a a good example, right? You're doing it because you want to do it. I I really do. I feel like I, on one hand, I do feel like I owe it to my parents to make them look good, to be a good example. It would be disrespectful to not show others that, hey, my parents really raised me well and they put Jesus first in my life and family and work and fun second. So I thought, why don't I go ahead and show people as a young person how I've been raised in this house? A lot of things that we can do in this world are better enhanced if you don't have to tell people what you're doing. So I don't go out and tell people I'm Catholic. Uh, I don't even necessarily tell everybody that my parents raised me Catholic. Hopefully people who are listening to me right now know that I was raised in a house of God before I even got to these words. So I want my actions to speak for me. And what people infer from that, I hope they infer that my parents are the basis of my faith and they're the ones who introduced it to me. That's beautiful. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I went to a little Catholic school as well down in, in South Florida. And my eighth grade teacher was also our assistant principal. And she came in, I think our my eighth grade homeroom teacher, I think he was a, he was Jewish. And so they didn't want him teaching the Catholic faith, if I remember correctly. It's been a while. So Mrs. Bishop came in, and I will never forget of all the things that she taught us that year. She taught us three rules. The, her three rules were, number one, be prepared. Number two, be on time. And number three, you hit upon it don't embarrass the family. And all these years later, I still remember that. Be prepared, be on time, don't embarrass the family. And I think with number three, you go above and beyond that. And it's not so much out of fear. It's not so much because you're afraid you won't get a raise in your allowance. It's because you know that you're loved. God lives in them. And that's so clear. I see them, the light shines in your parents. But as a result of that, he lives in you as well. And so it's not so much out of a duty, it's out of love right? We're called to go out and be love and to be light. Right. But I don't want people to think that I've been a perfect angel at home and even outside of the (laughs) home. I've certainly had my moments where I tested my parents' virtue of patience. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I would tell them after I'd make mistakes, you know, maybe I'd be out too late or maybe I would be hanging out with uh, a girl who they said wasn't right for me, something along those lines. I would come home and I'd say, well, you know, Jesus wanted that to be part of the plan. It was a learning process for me. Oh, nice. But honestly, it was. Any of the mistakes that I've made at home, and there have, of course, been a number of them. Growing up, I haven't been perfect. But any number of them, they've all led to me becoming who I am today. Every mistake leads to a lesson and then that mistake isn't a waste it's it's not a mistake at all actually it becomes a learning lesson to form your life so I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I've been perfect I (laughs) I have certainly had my time to grow but I've used it wisely in my show notes we'll write down in alphabetical order all the sins that he's at no I'm just kidding (laughs) so Patrick well here's the thing though in the way that you've been formed look at what you're doing 
You're not just saying, well, I'm only going to feed the hungry at Helping Hands. You go wherever you're called. And that, to me, is is amazing, especially at the age of 21. Because right now, let's be honest, you, you've got a lot on your plate. You do have these big dreams. You have these big goals. And you have school and the pressures of school. And very easily, you could say, I, I can't go to church today because I have, a, I have a term paper that's due. I have an essay that's due. I have to study for this big midterm exam. And you're not. And that speaks to to you as a person. It speaks to, of course, how you were raised, like you said, but ultimately it speaks to your heart. And that's special. That's absolutely special. So let's walk this back just a little bit, Patrick, so that we now know how you were formed. We know about your Catholic school upbringing, but that, you know, wow, your parents were converts. And then they led you and guided you in this faith, put you in the Catholic school and made those sacrifices. And here we are today at 21, you're in college. Obviously, we know you're not perfect, but you're doing a lot of things right. And so with this Whatsoever project and your ministry, since you have so many of them, I normally ask, what are the short-term goals, what are the long-term goals? And I still want to ask that. And I think what I'm going to let you do is just go ahead and tackle it the way that you want to tackle it. What in, not necessarily the immediacy, but what in the short-term, like let's say these next five years, would your goals and desires be with your own personal ministry? My hope is to continue the things I'm doing now, of course. But as time goes on to hopefully gain more means and more time, more money to contribute to things that help out in the church. I'd also like to become a minister of the sick, uh, to bring the body and blood of Christ to those who are unable to go to church themselves. It's actually something I've been considering for a while. Unfortunately, with having two jobs and school and many other responsibilities, I found it difficult to fully commit to that. I'm hoping that by the time I graduate from college, go out on my own, I, I know I'll still be busy, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to realize that ministry and work with that as well. Now, I, why, why, I don't mean to interrupt you, but why, are you, why do you feel called to, the, to be a minister to the sick? Well, it's another way to help people who are underprivileged in their own ways. I, I've always felt a warmth in my heart toward those who aren't able to do th- things themselves because they're typically some of the more humble people you meet. The, mm-hmm. the church loves the poor. Jesus has always loved the poor. And as we heard in Mass the other day, the reason Jesus loves the poor and why God loves the poor is because Jesus himself was the poorest man in yes. the history of the world. Not in his heart, but the fact that he humbled himself, allowed himself to be crucified and tortured so that he could raise again and, and save all of us. So by helping the poor, we are in fact helping Jesus. I want to be able to do that as much as I can because I think that's what Jesus died for so that we could help people who were like him, people who are like him today. You know, and just like with what you just said previously to that last question where you talked about, you know, the mistakes that I've made, they were building blocks. They shaped me and they formed me to be the young man that I am today. Same thing with this ministry that you feel that you're being called to and that you're praying about because who knows where you'll be. So maybe within five years you are a minister to the sick. But then it's through that ministry that God might point you in another direction where he needs you there. Yes, and I'm willing to go wherever he's pointing me. I've always tried to keep an open mind about things because by doing that, I leave a lot of doors open, a lot of doors of opportunities to things that might make my life a lot better and other people's lives a lot better. When I joined the St. Mary's Young Adults Group, actually uh, somebody who spoke on here recently, Lexi, was the sort of the last straw as far as people inviting me to go and it was her invitation that sent me over and said, you know what, I want to join this young adults group. 
So by leaving that door open to join the young adults group, I, I have only been to a couple of meetings because I've been working a lot, but those two meetings really made my nights. And I thought about that. I went to sleep thinking about it. I think I even had a dream about it once, although I don't remember. <laughs> so <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. Let me on stop me. you right there. So Lexi, who was just on, I literally uploaded her episode on Monday. So here we are. Today is Thursday. And Lexi Buckner is the one who turned you on to the young adult ministry? She is. She was not the only person to invite me. I heard sure. words from Father Blake and a couple of others, even my parents. But it was her invitation for whatever reason that opened my heart fully to joining the young adults ministry. So that's why when she when she went away, I felt a little bit of an emptiness. But I'm very proud of her and proud to say that she's the reason I'm there. So. Uh, Lexi, if you ever hear this, it was your fault that I'm in the Young Adults Group, and I am so glad it was. Uh, shout out to Lexi. We <laughs> love you, and Lexi, we are praying for you. I know our listeners are praying for you as well. And what a beautiful witness, because one day that might be you, that somebody says, you know, Patrick invited me to be an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, or Patrick invited me to come and help out at Helping Hands, and here I am now, and it could morph to another ministry and another ministry. So that's that's fantastic, Patrick. So those are your short-term goals. That's like maybe with Within the next five years. So the plan for you, hopefully, is that you'll be a minister to the sick. Let's look long-term now. Where do you see yourself 15, 20, 25 years? And don't say an old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be that old by then, but in 15 to Good 20 answer. years, I, I'm really hoping to help the church in a much different way. I'm hoping to enter the sacrament of holy matrimony. I've always wanted to meet a woman who loves God as much as I do and to bond with somebody in that way. There are a lot of opportunities for couples to go out and serve the community as well, not just showing their love for Christ and the love that holy matrimony has for us, but also how they can show people you know, what marriage really is about. Because I, I think in society we have sort of lost the idea of, of marriage, um, with the divorce rate being almost 50% in the United States and people going from marriage to marriage to marriage. I want to show people what a true example of marriage, a promise to God, is. And my parents have been the best example I've ever seen. So maybe one day I'll be the second best example. Gotcha. You know, it's funny that you bring up that statistic because I just heard a statistic the other night at youth group. They were saying, they were talking about the divorce rate and how it, you know, at 50%, it goes down at 40% when this happens and when this happens and it lowered. And when it came down to a couple who truly took that sacrament of matrimony seriously and entered it fully the divorce rate is less than 2%. Now, I'll be honest, here's my little caveat. I have not researched that for myself thoroughly. But when you know how people are formed in marriage, properly formed in the Catholic Church, it, it is a sacrament, and it is special, and, and it's taken differently because it's approached differently because it is approached as a sacrament. Exactly. So since you said that you, were, you feel like you're being called to the sacrament of matrimony, is there somebody special right now? No, there isn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I've, not, um, I've not fully committed to we will, yet. We will put on the show notes all of his important information. And oh my goodness, Patrick, you, the, I'm sure your phone will be lighting up. That is hilarious. So <laughs> well, those are your long-term goals. What other long-term goals do you have? I have actually strongly considered after becoming married and establishing my life, possibly after I retire, so we're talking probably 40, 50 years from now, I've actually considered entering um, the permanent diaconate. So the way that works is you can actually become a permanent deacon, like Deacon Mike of our own parish. You can enter the diaconate as a married person. However, if your spouse passes away, you cannot remarry. If you enter the permanent diaconate not married, you cannot marry. So my hope is maybe by the time I've retired, if finances are good, because uh, I don't believe the diaconate pays, it's a, it's a service. So 
if I'm able to support myself without any kind of pay, it'd be nice to do that and really give back and give the final years of my life to service in a very special way. Pure service. Yes. And I'm, I'm chuckling right now because we all know how God works. And right now God is laughing at Patrick <laughs> and because uh, I had plans too. And God laughed at my plans as well. So we'll see. That'll be, that will be a phenomenal thing to wait and watch for. And I know that you're being formed in the process. So that's a great goal. Long-term goal, Patrick. Fantastic. So let's move on just a little bit. I know that you're involved in a bunch of different ministries. It, just coming from your perspective, being 21 years old, how could somebody from your perspective, get involved in the ministry, any special training that you would recommend, and just any advice that you could give to somebody thinking about getting into your ministry? Somebody who would want to get into the ministry should, first of all, examine themselves and examine their own character. I think a lot of people feel intimidated and feel like they're not good enough to be in a ministry or they're not confident. And as I said, especially with lecturing, it can be intimidating to stand up in front of everybody and read the Word of God because there's so many eyes on you. It can be intimidating to be an extraordinary extraordinary minister of Holy Communion because if you don't want to drop the body of Christ, you don't want to spill the blood of Christ. So first of all, building up that confidence, knowing that it is okay to make mistakes. I've stammered many times on the podium. I'm not sure if I've ever dropped the body of Christ, but I've I've skipped over people when I'm handing it out on accident. You know, I accidentally pass a person when I'm a floater, which is somebody who goes into the stands and hands it to the people in mass who can't receive it and get up and receive it themselves. I've skipped a person on accident. Things happen, mistakes happen. So realizing that that's okay is probably the first step. And the second step is to not feel pressured by other people or feel like they're going to be judged if they're imperfect or if people don't know them well. Like get up there and and show your faith in, in your actions. You can do it. I, I can do it. And as confident as I may look, deep down, I actually do have, um, I do have moderate anxiety. It's not something that controls my life, but it's something that affects me at times. Sometimes I get the shakes or mm. I get really nervous for really small reasons. And I push that aside because I know the bigger picture is, is bigger than I am. The bigger picture is showing how much I love God and making Him proud. It's not about you. It's right. about Him. It's about him. We have a, a cantor at our church, and uh, I won't name any names. He's fantastic. But when I go and lecture, I watch him. I'm typically the second reader, and I can see his legs shaking. And I always smile, and I, I offer up a little prayer for him and that prayer for peace. And in some ways, I'm also praying for myself for that peace because I know. I know why his leg is shaking. And it's not so much that we're making it about us. It's really about doing a good justice and being that voice when, it, when we're called to be on that ambo and we're called to lector, that we just, we want to give the glory to him and do it well. So that's great advice. Do you have any other advice that you would give to people? Don't be afraid to do something that maybe your friends, if you have friends who aren't Catholic, don't be afraid to do something that they may not necessarily laugh at, but look at you differently for. It's okay to go up and read. It doesn't make you a nerd. It doesn't make you weird. It's not like everything that we do here is only for older people or people who are parents' age and older, because there are a lot of extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion and lectors who are much older than me. I, I am definitely the exception rather than the rule. But if anything, that should encourage especially younger people to join these ministries. We need younger people. We need young, powerful voices reading the Word of God. We need young, able-bodied people handing out the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, people who can go in and serve it to the uh, older people and um, those who are physically handicapped and can't get it themselves. We need more of you. So if you're listening to this now, this is a, this is a call to you. Out there and 
and show show everybody what you're made of. I love it. You've just been called out by Patrick Cauley. I love it. Well, let's let's continue along this this thread. You talked about the different ministries that, in which you're serving. I can imagine that you have some moments that stand out. So you just talked about the time that you passed over that person. And I, and I know, I, I think our hearts are very similar. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you were crushed. Like, oh my goodness, I don't want that person to think that I don't care, that they don't matter, that they're not loved, because they are. I just, I miss them, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there are some funny memories that you might have with some ministry or silly memories or do you have any memories that you're willing to share i have a grand one this one's a doozy Uh oh i'm scared one of the times i read bishop noonan was at our mass and it was father blake's first time here as a priest it may not have been his first mass but it was his first weekend so you can imagine i was shaking both of my legs i was so nervous i felt like if i started talking at the wrong time i'd be humming or mumbling I was terrified, really. But once I got up onto the stand as a lector and started reading the Word of God, everything kind of came naturally. And at the end, I realized that I didn't stammer once, and I didn't come off as nervous. Now, when I got down from the podium, I was still very nervous. <laughs> that, that was just a moment there when I was reading. But it, it, flew, it flowed naturally, and everything went great. I don't know if Father Blake remembers how nervous I was there, but uh, I was pretty nervous. That's God's but grace things, right there. Right. Things worked out fine. I read the word of God to people who really need to hear it. I'm sure the bishop enjoyed it too. And that yeah, that would have to be the most nervous I ever was. And I think for good reason. Because right. uh, Father Blake and I have become very close since then because we're not very far apart in age. So that really meant a lot to me that I was able to conquer that inner fear of messing up sure. and to do my job well. And I can imagine when you come back to your pew, to your seat, you sit down, you put your heart right back in your chest, like, oh my gosh, how did I get through that, right? right? That's so funny, because I remember when our son was being baptized, and, you know, first child, we're in church, I'm so nervous, because I don't exactly know where I'm supposed to go. We had the baptismal team back then, and I will never forget this. Do you remember Father David, and he mm-hmm. was from the Philippines, and this young girl gets up, and she's a lector, and she says... A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Filipinos. And oh my goodness, John and I, we looked at each other and we said, we will never forget this moment. And you know what? That poor girl probably will never forget that moment as well. Just like you with the bishop. And so what a great, what a great memory for you. And to know that God came through, he calmed your heart. And even though you had that anxiety, you didn't just have one leg shaking, you had both legs shaking. And God came through in that moment, and I'm sure you called on him, Lord, I need you. I I can't do this without you, and read beautifully. So what I'd like to do now is talk to you a little bit about all the ways that you're feeding, right? So you're reading, you're ministering, you're serving, and you have all this energy. And yes, you have parents who have helped to form you beautifully so, but what are you doing to be fed so that you can now go out and help feed others in your ministry? What I do to be fed is to first of all make sure that I'm healthy. I can't go out and spread the word of God if I'm home and sickly. And I mean things that are preventable. I'm not talking about people who have unpreventable illnesses. I'm talking about making sure you get a good night's sleep. Make sure you're in bed at reasonable times, waking up relatively early, getting a routine going. Because if you're you're sleepy, it's gonna be really hard to function. And I've had certain days where I feel like I can barely move. A lack of sleep will affect everybody negatively. It doesn't matter how big and strong you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. So getting that good night's sleep is important. Another thing I do 
on top of working out my mind and my spirit by going to mass is to work out my body. It is important to exercise and stay healthy and to get those endorphins going. Father Blake, our, one of our very own priests, goes to the gym often and sometimes we even cross paths and say hi. So it's good to get out and exercise, live a healthy lifestyle and make sure that your body that God has given to you that he's made in his image is working properly before you go out and start helping other people and exercising and you know, working hard because that's not working out for you, then uh, you're not going to be able to do very much. Another thing I like to do for feeding myself is to go to the young adults ministry that I've spoken about before. So it is really neat to be surrounded by people who are all within about a few years of my age. This is headed by Father Blake, who is 27, 28. He's in his late 20s, and that's pretty young for a priest, about as young as you can get. And seeing other people there about my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, is important because I'm looking at the future of the Catholic Church. There are a lot of people in our church now, and probably in churches across the world, who are a little bit older, and the day will, will come where us young people are older, and we will be the leaders of the church. We need to help other people, and we need to spread that message to the young adults and the kids, the youth as well, that we need more to add to our future. I'm not 100% sure on this task, but I feel like we haven't had as many young people. I know in St. Mary's when I attend Mass, the ratio of older people to younger people is, is very unbalanced. So to add to that and balance that out would be very important. So basically, when you're getting fed, you're making sure you're taking care of your body, you're taking care of your mind, you're taking care of your spirit. Correct. Right. So let's real quickly, let's find out about Father Blake. Does he have a lot of weights on his uh, when he's lifting weights, or is he pretty tough, or are you just going to plead the fifth on that for him? From what I've heard, he's he is pretty strong. <laughs> he, you can tell he looks strong, too. You can tell he takes care of himself, which I think is important, too, to, to look like you take care of yourself. Well, he's, um, he's, a, he's an example of mind, body, and spirit as well. He is, and I'd like to follow that example, and hopefully others can, too. And going through the young adult ministry, so I guess you have him, you're seeing him up there at church on the altar, but then you're also seeing him actually living it. He's talking it, but then he's walking it. So that's how you're fed. Before I go forward, is there anything, so we've been talking about your whatsoever project, is there anything within your projects and ministry that you are promoting or anything that's coming up that you'd like to get the word out about? I always like to promote Helping Hands. Helping Hands spends a lot of their own money and a lot of their own time helping the poor and those who can't feed or clothe themselves. I think we need to help Helping Hands more. They shouldn't have to pay, I don't know what they pay out of pocket and I wouldn't want to disclose it anyway, but we need to add a little bit more to their supply. And I'm not saying just walk up and throw a bunch of money at them. Give your time and your unused food, your clothes that you've outgrown, get rid of that and give it to people who really need it. I think it'd be great if we could stuff their shelves and and stuff the backs of the rooms of the clothes. I actually tried to donate clothes the other day and they said they wouldn't need such a large donation until January and I thought that was beautiful. Somebody had, must have just come in and dumped off a ton of clothes. I don't know if maybe a bunch of people will show up and I'll need to come sooner but I was actually told that they didn't need my clothes at that wow. specific moment. I thought that was wonderful. So let's do the same for food. Unfortunately, food can be a little bit harder to find and large amounts of it are given away. So I would like to promote that to Give away anything that you don't need. Don't let it just don't let food just expire on the shelves of, of your pantry. Go ahead and give it to Helping Hands if you can. If you have any clothes you're not using, go ahead and give it to them. And if you're privileged enough, if you can 
if you want to buy food to give to them, there are plenty of BOGO sales at Publix, at Aldi. If you're a member at Sam's and BJ's, you can buy them in large quantities. I'm not saying go out and spend hundreds of dollars, but any little bit counts. Imagine if every person who's a parishioner at St. Mary's donated three canned good items, or if you want to go down to a dollar amount, $5 worth of food. Imagine uh, we wouldn't be able to stuff it all in there. There'd be no room for it, and that would be beautiful. Right, and churches all over America, all over the world, have St. Vincent de Paul little stores similar to Helping Hands where they serve the poor and those who are have food, food insecurities, right? And so Patrick basically is saying that instead of promoting something that he wants, he's really encouraging all of us to go out and help Helping Hands. So not just only at St. Mary's, but also wherever you are and whatever church that you're in. And so Patrick, I'm so glad that you're here today. I can imagine that with all the little things that you're doing, and not that they're little, they're all very important, but you have your hand in so many different ministries. I can imagine that there's somebody right now at home saying, wow, this young man is is inspirational. And I'd like to maybe pick his brain a little bit and get some ideas from him. Is there a way that our listeners can reach out to you today? The most effective way to reach me is through my personal cell phone number. That phone number is 321-258-9354. Again, if you didn't hear that, it's 321-258-9354. It's the best way to reach me. Despite that I'm pretty busy, I'll most likely get back to you in the same day. Um, If you would like to reach me through that, go ahead and give me a text or a call. Just don't spam him, please. Yes. Oh, and if you are going to call me, probably be better to send a text first. Just check if I'm available. Okay, so that's great. And I will make sure that your phone number is in the show notes. And before we let you go, Patrick, as you've heard, we like to have our guests challenge the listeners with a 168 don't wait challenge. And essentially what we're doing is, and what we're saying is, there are 168 hours in the week. And my seventh grade religion teacher, Mrs. Gribben, said, can't you give God one? And really what she meant was she really wants us to give our lives to God like you have done. And she wants God to be infused in all that we we say and all that we do, right? Not so much we're going around the Bible saying, hey, like you've been saying, it's just living it, right? And so what is it? What is a way that you can challenge our guests this next 168 hours for our 168 Don't Wait Challenge? I challenge everybody to give time, talent, and treasure, those three things. A way you can give time is to Find a way to volunteer with the church. Volunteer with Helping Hands. Maybe join one of the young adult groups, the youth groups. There are plenty of other groups they can join as well. If it's not too late, the Helping Hands tournament is going to be October 20th. That's a Sunday. I believe it starts at 12 p.m. You could still sign up at that. Another way you could give is with treasure. As I had said before, try to donate just a few canned good items, a few items of clothing that you don't wear anymore. That's another good thing too, is to give away clothes that you just simply don't wear, even if they fit. If it's been sitting in your closet for a year, you can go ahead and give that to Helping Hands if you'd like. So I would challenge you to give just a few items of clothing, maybe a few items of food, both if you'd like, or if you want to set a specific dollar amount, go to Publix and spend five bucks. You'll probably get 10 canned good items. So that'd be my challenge to everybody. And if If hundreds of people were to do that, the effect would be enormous. It'd be beautiful. Probably bring tears to our eyes. (laughs) Absolutely. So time, talent, and treasure is how he's challenging you this week, is to share a little bit of that this next 168 hours. That's fantastic. And talent, of course. Uh, Talent, if you have a certain talent that can help out in the church, doesn't mean that only if you have this talent help out. But for example, I've always had a talent for speaking. Now, 
while I have a talent for speaking, for example, I'm horrendous at math. So <laughs> we all have our talents. We all think you're we're horrend- not good at. You're, you're horrendous at what? I'm horrendous at math. But, okay. So I don't want people to think, oh, he's a great speaker and he's great at everything else. No, I'm I'm terrible at math. But God gave me the gift of eloquence for the most part and speaking. So that's why I signed up to be a lector. If you think that you're an eloquent speaker, if you don't have problems with crowds, go ahead and use that and become a lector. If you have steady hands and able feet, become an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion or a minister to the sick. If you have a little bit of time on your hands at home, whether it's because you're retired or you're not working as many hours as some people are, use that extra time to volunteer. Whatever you have available, use it. Gotcha. So you aren't good at math. Sorry to all the math teachers. <laughs> I was kicked out of the third grade choir. That is a true story. I'll share that for another podcast. So I, you do not see me, little Jen, in the choir. And it, I would go if they asked, but there will be a mass exodus. So yes, like you, I, I'm happy to lecture. I do not want to get up and canter. You you won't see just my leg shaking. You will see my whole, I'll be convulsing up there. So you won't see me up there. So there we go, folks. Our sweet listeners, the 168 Don't Wait Challenge. Share your time this week. Share your talent this week. Share your treasure this week. And I just want to say, Patrick, you've been a treasure to all of us. What a, a gift your life has been to mine. And also, I just want to say thank you as a mother, saying thank you to you because my children sit near you in Mass. And they see you go up to lector. They see you as an extraordinary minister to Holy Communion. And, and I, I'm not just saying that for my own children, too. I'm saying that for a lot of parents, that you are a witness to our youth. There, it's one thing for me to say to do it. It is another thing for a young man who, yes, you're not perfect. You've said that. We know that. None of us are. But you are, you're not just talking it. You're walking it. And, and I thank you for that. And, and I, I just want to say a little shout out here to Patrick, too, before we close. Anytime that I need anything from this young man, he's such an inspiration. He takes my phone calls. Whatever I've asked him to do in youth ministry, he has done. And I'm very grateful to you, Patrick. I don't just look at you as this kid that I've watched grow up and go through St. Mary's and Rockledge High School. And now here you are in college. I, I look at you as a friend. And I thank you so much for coming out here. I know that you're going to bless the lives of our listeners. And uh, I hope in some way that you were blessed today too, Patrick. Of course I was. It was great to share my word in this way. I've always wanted to do something like this where I can speak candidly to people and so that people can understand me a little bit more than what they see on the podium or handing out the body and blood of Christ. So for everybody listening, I hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you so much for giving your time. And if this podcast affects one person positively, maybe one person decides to become officially Catholic if he or she isn't yet, or one person becomes elector, then I've made the impact I've hoped I've made. Absolutely. And you know what? You need to reach out to Patrick. Let me give you his number again today. It's 321-258-9354. Shoot him a text. Let him know how amazing he is and definitely an inspiration. So thanks so much for being here today, Patrick. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless, guys. What a guy, huh? A colossal thank you to Patrick for his time with our interview and to you, all of our listeners. Thank you so much for your feedback already in just three short weeks of having begun this podcast. Please continue to share our podcast, encourage others to get the app and follow us, and of course, like and comment too. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at whatsoever168podcast, and that way you can keep up with us during the week. In the meantime, check out our other podcasts and show notes to reach out to our guests and tell them how amazing they are or how their 168 Don't Wait Challenge has inspired you. And remember, whatsoever you do, be nice 
and make your next 168 hours count for Christ. So be 